Welcome to Meet Your Funeral Celebrant. My name is Tony Piper, and in each episode of this podcast, I'll be talking with a funeral celebrant. As well as getting to know them and exploring their approach to funerals, each guest will also share some useful tips. I hope this helps you find the right celebrant for you so you can create a good send-off. So let's begin. This episode, I'm delighted to be talking to Sally Ward. Sally is based in Belper in Derbyshire and has been a funeral celebrant since 2009. By way of fun fact, Sally was once the junior shot put champion of Derbyshire and a few years later, with her husband composer John Tams, she worked to create War Horse as a drama for Radio 2 and as a concert piece. Hi Sally, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Hello there, Tony. Thank you. Yes, you didn't have to mention the shot putting thing, did you? (laughs) Thank you anyway. (laughs) I did my research. (laughs) Oh, well done. (laughs) Why don't you fill in some of the gaps and tell us a little bit more about you? Right. Yes, I did start being a celebrant in 2009. I'd been um, a registrar for about 15 years, and I was a little frustrated about the limitations placed upon you uh, doing weddings. And um, uh, I then my father was very ill, and after a long illness, he died. And I'd said to mum, do you think I could possibly do the funeral? Um, not really knowing what that involved, but knowing that I wanted to tell his story um, and she said yes, so I did that. And I can remember now looking across at his coffin during the funeral and actually sort almost thinking, thanks, Dad, because you've shown me what it is that I want to do. Mm. So since then, um, I've been a funeral celebrant and really love every moment of my work. What's important to you about being a funeral celebrant? Um I think for me, it's knowing that I have done the best that I possibly can for a family. That's that's the thing that drives me always to to make it exactly as they want it to be. Um, they don't want to be there usually anyway. So if I can make it something for them that they will remember at some point, maybe with a smile on their face or, mm. you know, and you get a letter card saying we were dreading that day, but we actually all really loved it. Thank you so much. It's so it's that me for me means I've I've done my job well. It's also lovely, I'm sure other celebrants would say the same, that you're in charge of your own diary. You you can work when you want. Uh, well, I tend to work seven days a week and many hours, which I love. Um, but I'm in charge of what I do, which is lovely. Hmm. It's a very special profession and not many are called to it. And um, mm-hmm. to find yourself working seven days and still loving it strikes me as uh, definitely having found your calling. I do feel very much like I found my calling. I've, I've often thought, you know, people who are who are good at javelin or long jump or shot put possibly um, know what it is that they're good at. People who who sing for a profession, they've discovered that they're good singers. Mm. But it took my father to die to find that this was for me what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I can't ever imagine doing anything else. I love it so much. What a special and unexpected gift then, as you say. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, Dad, very much. (laughs) It is. I love it. What do you love most about the job? I think it's, it's meeting people from so many different backgrounds who often have 
such incredible stories to tell. Um, you know, I'm dealing often with people who were probably born in the 1910s, 1920s, 1930s, and um, you're hearing wartime stories that are just incredible, stories of such courage, bravery, real unsung heroes and heroines. Um, you know, I, I think only a, a short while ago I was doing a service for someone um, and he'd been in one of the most notorious prisoner of war camps in Borneo and pretty much left for dead. He was four stone and left for dead. And he'd always said how, um, as they got iller and weaker and thinner, they were just moved along in the wooden huts till the bit where they knew they were in the last bed, which is the bed where they would die. Um, and this particular man, um, because he knew it would be useful, catalogued all the people who died because he knew that their families would want to know what happened to their loved ones. And he hoped that if if he did get out there alive, he would at least be able to say to families, I was there, I, I was with your loved one when they died. He thought his time had come and he managed to get down to a, a, a strip of water um, close to where he was. And he thought in a reed bed, he saw a, a little piece of paper, which he thought he'd have and make a cigarette and he tucked it in his loincloth and when he got back and unraveled it it was actually a photograph and on the back of the photograph it said Clifton Nottinghamshire and it was a picture of two smiling ladies young girls and he didn't know them but he was from Clifton in Nottinghamshire and he's I mean, it's remarkable it gives me Gosh, goosebumps to think of it me too but he they they gave him these unknown women gave him the will to survive and actually when I did his funeral service, one of those women came along to the service, now a lady in her, what would she be, late 80s, maybe early 90s. And she came along because the local paper, the Nottingham Evening Post, had tracked her down many years ago and connected them. And, you know, I, I met another family where the man had danced with Rita Hayworth as a young RAF pilot training in the desert in Arizona. They had her handker handkerchief that she'd given to him with her lipstick kiss still on this handkerchief. And he'd oh, gone, come back home and worked at the Players Cigarette Factory in Nottingham until he retired. He'd also stayed with Bob Hope, the comedian. He'd stayed at his ranch in the desert. And you think, goodness me, these are amazing stories. Another one, a footballer who played in the FA Cup final, Derby County in 1946, and wow, which they won. Um, amazing tales. And that, to me, is a, such a joy of the job. Absolutely. People have extraordinary lives, and often often, even the closest people around them don't realise just what kind of extraordinary lives they've had. Absolutely. And I think sometimes, it, I mean, I, I went to a family not long ago where they actually said, oh, there's really very little to say about mum. She liked chips. Well, I thought, well, we've got to do a little bit better than she liked chips. I'm sure we can. Um, but it's in the talking that, that they, they start to sort of bounce off each other saying, oh, do you remember that story? And, yes, she did do that. And and then it came out that she'd actually saved two young children from a burning building when she'd been a teenager herself. And, and they said um, they could sort of kind of mainly recall this story but it was patchy so i was able to go online on um, on the one of the um the the uh, find my past archive pieces mm. and find the newspaper cutting of this story and she had she had gone into this building and saved these children from a burning building in derby incredible so i was able to send them that and say oh look it's 
it is true what you told me. Um, and they were thrilled. <laughs> Gosh. Gosh, that seems incredible. I mean, to think that her life might have been reduced to, she liked chips. Chips, yeah. To... And there was so much more. We ended up with a really lovely full service and a, and a lovely letter afterwards to say, you know, it was just fabulous to, to hear mum's story told in that way. So, which has nothing to do with me. It was them. You know, they, they'd come up with it, which is lovely. You kind of hand it back to them in a way, don't you? And say, right, let's let's do this together. Yes. I mean, somebody once described this as, you know, your role as a celebrant, as much as anything, is to collect their stories and give them back to them. Absolutely. I think that's absolutely what we do. And then at the end of it, to actually give present them with a copy of the service that we've done. Um, and they treat it as if you've given them a, a limited edition book. It's just well, lovely. Have. Yeah, you unique. absolutely have. It's unique. It's their story. And, mm. and often when you go back, maybe some years later, because then perhaps dad's died and they say, we'd like you back now to do another service. And they've still got it. And they say, oh, we often look through the story that you wrote for mum or whatever. Oh. And I'm sure that happens to all the celebrants, you know, and people just love to hear that story. And it's something for the family archive. And those stories would have gone. They would have, you know, they would have disappeared. No one would have known about mum saving the children in the burning building. No. It's wonderful. It is wonderful. So what is your most useful skill when working with families? I think it's to be able to listen, just to listen to what people want, to go in to see them and say, what do you want to do? This is your 25 minutes that you've got. What are we going to do with it? What do you want? What What's your vision for this? Sometimes people have very definite ideas at other times they go, well, ooh, not a clue. But by listening and then trying to sort of filter in and filter out certain things for them, um, I think between us, it's creating uh, creating the day that they want, the, the funeral service that they want for their loved one. What do you think makes a good funeral? Um, I think it's probably making sure that the family gets exactly what they'd hope they would get now you know not uh, not all families are you know sort of like something out of Enid Blyton are they they're not all perfect with with everyone um, loving mum or loving dad there's mm. all sorts of dynamics within families and mm -hmm. lots of families are dysfunctional we know that but I think it's if you can if you can represent that person fairly um you know, we have good, we have bad. Um, and I think it's just giving a fair representation of that person, their place within their family, their place within the world, um, that that people go away. I think the worst thing is if probably someone would go to a funeral and think that they'd been at the wrong funeral or mm. that, you know, that wasn't the person I knew. So that that's very important, I believe. What's well, not so important what sort of things do people worry about that maybe they don't need to worry about? Well, I, I think it's if it if it's worrying them, it's obviously important. But I think mm. by chatting things through, sometimes it can be the music they're going to come into. That's a really big one right. um, that they've they've spent hours worrying about the music they're going to come into. And I think it's the thing that most people forget because they're so busy sort of coming into chapel. They haven't a clue what it was that they came into Um but nevertheless, if it's if it's important to them, then we give it time and discuss it. And and if that piece of music is very important, then 
I might suggest that we have it somewhere else in the funeral so they will hear it and they will remember it. Mm. Um, what else is not important? You see, it's, very, it, it's uh, it is a case of if it's important to the family, then it is important. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite abrupt, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I just, the reason for asking that question is that sometimes people um, do worry about all sorts of things um, because they don't know, because they don't know whether it's important or not. And they don't, they don't know what they're going to remember. And yeah. so I just wondered whether there were things that, that people do um, spend Getting, energy on that they don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. Getting names right is hugely important. Mm. The number of times that um, it's it, it's an issue where you'll go and see a family and they've been so upset by a funeral they've been to some years ago and they say, and you know what, he got the name wrong and oh, that gosh, person yeah. is never forgiven. No. And I hear that so often. And and for me, it's usually the first thing I ask is, this is the name I've got. What what? Did the person? What was the person known as? Or what did you call the person? Or were they known by lots of different names? You know, what did work colleagues call them? Shall we use all those names just so that everyone who's here feels that they've got a part? You know, they're here. They're part of that person's life because we've used that name that they're familiar with. So, a name is really important. At the end of the day, it's all that we have left, isn't it? Is our name? It's what goes on a tombstone, or you know, that that's what we have. So, get that right. Um, Definitely, that's very important. Yeah. And yeah. but the, but the point about acknowledging all the names by which somebody was known is a really lovely one too. Mm. Because mm. having been to funerals where somebody is is you know called by their formal name, mm. where we never knew them by that name, you know, it it does feel a little bit like you've you've gone to a different funeral. Oh, it's horrible! So, you know, someone who's only ever been known by their middle name and. Well, you, you mean you see it in hospital, don't you? Where, yes, yes. Um, someone has their, my dad was known by his middle name. So it was always really weird to think, who is this person? They keep using mm. his first name and it was not him. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is hugely important. And around here, some people say mum, say, some say mom. So you'd have to be sure that you're saying, was it mum or mom or, or grandma or mama or mam or nana, nana, and making sure that you pronounce it correctly. Yes. So uh, I have all these sort of strange hieroglyphics for how I'm going to say all these names. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Just how I write it or, you know, how I, so I make sure that I do say nana and not nana or you know, so I get it absolutely right for them. It's so important. That's great attention to detail. I'm really, really impressed and uh, in full, full admiration of you. Oh, bless you. <laughs> <laughs> what was your most innovative funeral? Well, I think probably that often comes from the family. And if they're wanting something that's unusual, I did do one uh, a short while ago um, at Derby County Football Stadium um, where we we all met at the Pride Park um, and then we took the coffin up in the service lift, which was a bit of a surprise to the poor young lady who was arriving to do her shift in the catering department oh, yes. um, to find us in the service lift. But then we, we did a lovely service in one of the suites overlooking the football ground. Obviously, the man was a huge Derby County supporter mm -hmm. and it was absolutely fabulous and then we all filed out and then went up to the crematorium which is about a mile and a half away um and that was you know it was it was a wonderfully thought out send-off i can't take any credit for that when you know when i went to see them that's what they 
wanted to have and we just made that happen for them and it was lovely are people starting to choose more and more um, non-traditional venues for their funerals mm, not so much for me i've i've done um one I've, I've done one on um in on a playing field in a little village near here for a teacher um who a young teacher who died and she was really into sport and keep fit so we did a funeral service actually on the playing field in the village where she did lots of the PE and then went to the crematorium. Um, and I've done one in an old people's home where the, uh, all her friends lived in the old people's home. She didn't have any other friends. She was a very old lady. And so it made sense to bring everything to the old people's home. And it was lovely. But other than that, mainly they seem to be at the crematorium. Right. Okay. And what was your most challenging funeral? Oh, last week was my most challenging funeral. Um, uh, well, I, I'd done one service. I'd done a really big service for a, a referee, which was lovely because as we came down the drive with the, the, this referee, about, there were about 250 people there, and they all held up a red card for him, which was fantastic. Oh, wow. So he was red carded, but that's sort of by the by. So we did this service, and I was just pulling away, and the chapel attendant, put his he ran towards my car and put his hand up and stopped me and I thought I'd forgotten something and I wound the window down and he said um, how do you feel about doing another funeral uh and I was like oh, how do you mean he said the uh, vicar's not turned up for the next funeral they phoned him he'd forgotten and he's at least an hour away and I've got a full chapel oh so it was a case of well see you're just standing in front of my car <laughs> and I can't go anywhere, then um, let's give it a go. So I had, oh gosh, I think I had about seven minutes to come down and have a, a chat with the daughter. Mm -hmm. And just amazing what, you know, I think of it now, think how on earth did I do that? How on earth did we do it? It was, you know, they were a lovely family. And I just said, look, this is not how I normally work, but we're going to put something together that will be really lovely. Um, that want a couple of the granddaughters written a little bit about about um, their grandma on the, their iPhone. So I said, well, look, if I ask you to step forward and just show me your iPhone and then I can read your tribute to your nan from that. Um, and they said, that's fine. And she stepped up and it was all in text speak, text language. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what the heck does that mean? So I think if people thought I was doing long dramatic pauses, I was, but it was just trying to work out what this said <laughs> mm. but i but i had a you know i had i had some lovely feedback from that and the family it, obviously the family were very grateful because they did not know what they were going to do so um it was lovely to be able to help them it really was but it was challenging can't help but wonder actually whether that would have turned out better given the adversity and given the fact that there were so many contributions from people you know in the moment well, they they actually the um, the daughter had written to me and said, um, and she'd written to the funeral director as well to say, uh, for all that we were so upset that the vicar didn't turn up, we're so pleased that he didn't because we actually mm. had a funeral that was so much more about our mum because there was a picture over there and it was a really cheeky picture and and I was able to refer to it and say you can't just help wondering at you know Hazel looking at us smirking a bit in that photograph and mm. uh, you know. Let's imagine that she's got something to do with this today. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think they actually ended up having a service that felt probably more relevant to them. Gosh. 
but it was a challenge. Yeah, it sounds like it, but the, the power of adrenaline, I guess, and oh. strong desire to help. And uh... Yeah. Yes, I think that moment when the music actually faded down and it was the feeling of, oh, this is it, just go I'm for on. it. Yes. Do your best. <laughs> go for it, gal. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> What's one piece of advice that you have for anyone who is organising a funeral? Oh, it's probably to do what you want to do. Mm. Um, you have your... 25 minutes, make sure you, you don't come away and think we should have done this or why didn't we do that or, you know, let's make sure kind of all bases are covered that that you can you can look back on it hopefully at some point in the future and, and have a smile and enjoy thinking back to, to that day of that funeral service. Nobody wants to be there. Nobody wants that funeral. But if we can make it the best, best it can possibly be then that's got to be a good thing. That's great advice. Thank you very much, Sally. Thank you. Well, I guess time is upon us. We've almost run out of our 25 minutes. All right. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it, doesn't it go fast? Doesn't it go fast? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's another good piece of advice is don't go over time as well. Ah, oh, yes. They don't like it, do they? No, they it's, don't like it. No. And, and quite right too. Why, why should you take someone else's funeral service time but um that's kind of note to self always stick mm. to the time sure and, and are people able to book extra time if they need to if yes they have a big do. gathering or a lot to say they do i mean the, the the sort of sad thing is often that by the time i meet the family that has already been booked as, you, as i'm sure you know you know i i get the the uh, the information from the funeral director i go and see them and then they say oh, we're expecting maybe 300 people and uh, four people want to speak and and it's really sad if you if they haven't booked a double slot because it seems the more popular you are the more people are going to be at the service the less time you can actually spend talking about them and uh, and it's just a shame if they they haven't been led towards having a double service so would you inc encourage people to get in touch with you before the event before they they have to yeah. actually make the bookings yeah. I do get that quite a lot now because, uh, you know, when I do services, people will often ask me for my card or I've worked with the family before, so they will call me. Um, and in that conversation, it will be, I will always ask, you know, are you expecting it to be a big service? And, you know, have you thought about having a double slot? It does give you that extra time. Um, doesn't mean we have to make the service twice as long, but it just gives you that space around the service that you're not going to feel rushed. You're not going to have somebody standing at the door looking at their watch or you're not going to be mingling with the next group of people coming you've got all the time that you need um and if i get to speak to them first that is usually what they will do the service i've done this morning was a double service and that was a gentleman i've been to see before he died to discuss his funeral that was only a few weeks ago and he said he wanted to talk to me um and when we met then and and i said i i think you're going to have quite a few people there um just make sure that the family do book you a double slot. And he did. Um, and it was lovely. And he was right, because there were about 350 people there this morning. So it was uh, it was good that they'd done that and they'd followed that advice. Great. There's one more question I have for you that's just been prompted by something somebody asked me the other day. And All right. That is the question about curtains mm -hmm. and what to do, mm -hmm. open or closed. Oh gosh, nearly everybody when they know they have a choice say open. Right. It's it's 
quite rare now for people to close the curtains. It's the thing that they say, oh, goodness, as if it isn't bad enough to then hear the curtains going round. Um, and, and it's also people have built an idea in their mind that they're going to see the coffin going into some flames. Um, I don't know if you hear that. People say, oh, I don't want to see it going into the flames. Yeah, and it yeah. doesn't matter so how many times will you that wouldn't happen or if you peek behind the curtain it would probably still be there or um but uh no given the choice i would the mass a huge percentage will say please open and of course a lot of times people say because at the end we want to go up and touch the coffin or mm-hmm. or the grandchildren want to put a flower on granddad's coffin or something it, it feels it, it feels less traumatic for families i think in a day that is quite loaded with trauma it's a little bit of something that that you can take away or that they can choose to take away sure thank you very much for answering that question because it's it is one of those um it's one of those difficult decisions i guess but Mm. um yeah well the other thing always is as i say if you change your mind you only have to let me know even if it's the last minute um you know if we get there and and of course before a service i'd always check with everyone who's having anything to do with the service or um you know the people that i met with will just have a a just two minute quick check is there anything that you need me to change anything that you've had second thoughts about and always are we still keeping curtains open and it's you know if they want to change it they can great sometimes i've said you know if you want to come and close them yourselves we've had that where a family has said you know can we keep them open and then as we go out could they close? So I will say, well, do you want, would you like to come and press the button? Would you like, you know, would mm. let everyone else leave first and then let's stay as a, the family with the last leave and let's do it that way, which seems to be something that people like to do. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Great. But it's, it's just whatever they want in the end, isn't it? Whatever a family would, would like to have. Sure. And that's the most important thing at the end of, at the end of everything, it's, uh, you know, I, sometimes when we're laughing, when I'm laughing with families and say, look, I'll do whatever you want. As long as it's legal and I don't have to take off my clothes, then what do you want me to do? <laughs> um, and it's a, it's a nice breaker, I suppose. But, you know, that's, that's kind of it, really, though. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, let's see what we can make happen. Let's almost create, you know, let's try and create something really memorable and kind of magical for that 25 minutes yes that's what i I try and do that sounds wonderful thank you sally it's just been so lovely to speak to you and likewise with you tony an absolute delight i could i could i could talk to you for hours um, oh bless you (laughs) well keep keep the tape rolling we'll keep going and we'll we'll have (gasps) part two yeah okay well no it's been lovely to talk to you too thank you so much for for um chatting to me thank you take care good luck with all you do thank you so much tony bye-bye bye-bye